Ujai, and welcome to the Gator Gates podcast. We just did this, but due to technical difficulties, we're going to start over. But that's a-okay, because we're ready. Uh, did you... We're live there, right? Perfect. All right. So, um, we would like to really acknowledge all the forces in the non-material, the Nablamus and Moradinebeg, for opening up the doors uh, to the West, uh, back into the traditions, the African traditions, back into the mystery schools for the rest of the world. And... Uh, we would like to acknowledge uh, that great ancestor sacrifice and also all of the other sacrifices of all the great ancestors that have been standing behind this great work. And uh, all of the forces in the non-material, the deities, the genies, the powers of nature, everything that's standing behind this great work and that's aligned with this great work, we'd like to take the time to really acknowledge all of you. Uh, myself and Kajas Women included, we are Dogon initiates. And uh, yeah. Uh, a word from our sponsor, Sauce Hot Sauce. Sauce Hot Sauce began in 2007 when a small group of students traveling in West Africa were trying to think of ways to support charitable projects. One of the students traveling happened to be an artisanal hot sauce chef, and right there, Sauce Hot Sauce was born. Since then, one second. Since then, Sauce Hot Sauce has prided itself on making exceptional artisan hot sauces with high-quality ingredients to support good causes. We continue to do this with the best and tastiest offerings of sauce flavors to date, with a focus on supporting displaced families in the Fara and Gurma region of Burkina Faso with the revenue from our sales. Sauce Hot Sauce, phenomenal. I've seen people put it on pizza, seen them put it on rice and sauce, meat, you name it. There's no dish that you can miss with Sauce Hot Sauce. There you go. Just made a new slogan. Sauce Hot Sauce, you guys are hiring. You guys want to make me the face of your company? I'm here for hire. Uh, before we jump into Rapid Fire, we do have a guest today. They have not, uh, they have not joined us just yet. We'll call them down once uh, we get through Rapid Fire. And with that being said... Um, wait, before we jump into Rapid Fire, we just have a few announcements. Uh, the Doors of Initiation are opening on September 3rd in the New Jersey Temple. Uh, there are many locations that are going to be opening up the Doors of Initiation uh, within the month of September. I don't know the exact dates. I know that it's going to vary from temple to temple. But just know that uh, most of the temples will be opening up their doors uh, within the month of September. I can say for sure I know that September 3rd is when the New Jersey Temple will be opening up the doors of initiation. So if you're in the tri-state area, you are more than welcome to come down on September 3rd. I believe the event starts at 1 o'clock. And yeah, and register for uh, initiation. Um, let's hop in to rapid fire. All right, Ujjayi. Um, so first up, we have India completes first crew oil payment to the UAE and rupees, officially ditching the U.S. dollar for trade. Uh, so India's biggest oil company, Indian Oil Corp, has started paying for a million barrels of crude oil from the United Arab. I always 
mess this word up. I don't know how to spell. Em- Excuse me. Emirates. There we go. Using you don't Indian know how to pronounce rupees. Emirates, bro. I've seen it on the jerseys, very, but I'm not that cultured. Yeah. I'm just, hey, man, it's just me. Uh, as the two countries agree to trade in their own currencies instead of dollars. Shout out to them. You know, yeah. We'll the see. fall of the American dollar continues. We'll see where it goes. No, I mean that's good because it's showing. With everything that's going on in West Africa, with everything that's going on all around the world, it uh, seems like, uh, you know, everybody is kind of waking up to uh, the power that every country has to really kind of overturn the thumb that the Western superpowers, the so-called Western superpowers use to keep everybody else in the world under. So shout out to... All of those countries. You know, it's uh, funny because if you talk to people in the financial industry, a lot of them don't really believe that the dollar will really fall. Like, they think this is just like another kink in the chain. But I don't know. Historically, empires rise and then they fall. I mean, Always. It's, it's just, it's simple. America. You know, that's just life. So maybe it's almost America's time. I mean, it's not almost. It seems like America's been on its last legs for a few years. I'm surprised America hasn't fallen yet, honestly. The day they elected Obama into power, we should have known it was over. That well, yeah, because they're always looking for yeah. a black dude to give the sinking ship to. Right, exactly. They're like, where's, where's the black man? Let I, bet, I bet you when it falls, that's what they're going to say, too. Yeah. It was since his, his give administration. Us like a black Trump. Yep. Think <laughs> <laughs> it'll be Trump but black <laughs> it'll just be trump but black and they'll be like it was his fault <laughs> all right time uh next up we have the man who allegedly hit people allegedly hit people with a chair in the montgomery brawl has been arrested oh no wait is that what team what team was he on what you mean he was the guy with the chair i know i haven't seen the video at all you have not I've watched seen the whole some of the thing. video but i just I just didn't watch the whole thing. So now the chair is the official black symbol. Oh, is it? It, it is. So okay, word. Just like go flag. on Instagram. You see yeah. videos of people with a chair. They're doing all kinds of stuff now. Oh, they are? So, yeah. We got chairs. <laughs> yeah, we come on down September chairs. 3rd. We got chairs. <laughs> we won't we'll be hitting you, anybody, yeah. though. No, we will give you the proverbial chair to go hit people with called knowledge of your ancestors. Oh, so wait, did they take him to jail? Yeah, he's arrested. Oh, they got he got arrested. Yeah. Are they? What are they trying to charge him with? I don't know. Assault. Assault. Yeah. Assault with a is that a deadly weapon? It is now. <laughs> the way he was using it. <laughs> Assault with a leisurely weapon. Uh, I'll no, be but it's own, funny because like in the comments and you know people's commentary about it is like he was a good citizen you know just helping an innocent person from being jumped and uh you know there's other people that are like you know what chair Uh (laughs) uh-huh i don't remember a chair chair. these are all allegations but you know the same way every time there's always like a racist incident that's caught on camera and then a whole bunch of people come out of nowhere and then support the racist person with financial contributions exactly so I'm not mad at it, you know? Shout out to the guy that allegedly had the chair. Allegedly. Yeah. Allegedly. Alleged. Right. Uh, on to the next. So, 
one's pretty crazy. It's a non-binary mother who is begging her infant son to be gay. What do you mean begging? So this is a video that's been floating around on uh, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, yada yada, where there's a black woman holding a black baby, and the baby has a white, like one piece on, mm -hmm. and it has a rainbow on it, and she's like, "Be gay, be gay, please be gay, gay baby, gay baby." She just keeps like, sort of expressing that she wants this baby to end up being gay. Really? Yes. You know, it's kind of, it's really sad because they want to claim that these things are like natural and these things are like people are born this way, but yet you have somebody having to put this baby up in a camera and begging it to be gay. Like I've never seen any parent put the baby up to anything and say, be straight, be straight, be straight. You get what I'm saying? It's yeah. it's like you can clearly see this is some kind of mental sickness going on. And the sad part is that it's really affecting children now. Because going back to like previous topics we had about this, now they're putting it in books. So you can't convince me that this is not some kind of mass brainwashing. I mean, the thing is, too, is like it's becoming like a either you're in or you're out type of crowd with the whole LGBTQ plus they leave anything out? LGBTQAI plus. Oh, with the LGBTQ AI. <laughs> What's the I? Is it AI or IA? It's AI. AI, like artificial intelligence? I don't know. It's in there. So, I don't so we don't know what the I is? I don't know what the I is. Minor? Intersex. Intersex? Intersex? Yeah. And then what's the A? Asexual? Asexual. It's, it's, a, it's a weird coalition because the acronyms are not really all unified theories. Some of it is about sexuality, some of it is about gender expression. Exactly. So they're in this interesting coalition where they're not necessarily I don't I don't think they can I don't wanna cut yeah, you off, but they they can't hear you. Yeah. <laughs> Let's label it one thing. Yeah. Let's just label it mental illness. That's it. <laughs> Plain and simple. I mean, it, it, plain and simple. It, it it definitely is venturing into the realm of mental illness because it's becoming like whatever you want it to be versus you know, like because there's even thing. a plus. Yeah, there's a plus. So it's like all encompassing. It never stops. What's the plus? Fairies. The plus is whatever. Anything and goats. everything. Goats. Remember that we did that. The guy who claimed he was a goat. The dog oh, guy. Oh, the dog. That's the, the, guy, dog the, guy? the guy that became a dog. He spent like $18,000 to become a dog. What the fuck? Bro, imagine if you're sitting there and you're talking shit about somebody and then the person's like, oh, gotcha, I'm not a dog, I'm a human. And then they take off their fucking dog costume. Oh, jeez. Uh, ne next topic. <laughs> okay, so sort of equally as crazy, the next topic, we have a Nigerian doctor who removed and returned a baby to the mother's womb. Uh, I don't know if I'm butchering his name, Lindley Boimer. Oh, this is the lady's name. Oh. Lindley Boimer, a baby girl who experienced an extraordinary journey, faced a life-threatening situation before even being born when her mom, Margaret, was pregnant with twins in 2015. 
a rare tumor called a teratoma, I'm not going to even try this part, was discovered growing uh, on Lindley's spine. A remarkable the medical procedure, spine. exactly. Doctors at the Texas Children's Hospital removed her mother's womb, removed her from her mother's womb at 23 weeks, performed a delicate surgery to remove most of the tumor, and then placed her back in the uterus. 23 weeks, how many months is that? Four and a half? Yeah, maybe about five weeks. Five, five and a half. That's insane. The baby's still alive? Yeah, I think it was born, but born premature. After facing the odds, the baby was born at 36 weeks and five days. But she had to have another surgery after she was born. Is the baby the, alive? The mother. The not baby's the baby. alive. The yeah. mother. Had to have another surgery. No, the, this was on the baby's spine. On the baby's spine? Yes. What the fuck? So you're telling me they took the baby out the womb. Out. They did surgery on the baby's spine? Yes. And then put the baby back in the womb. Put the baby back. What happened to the twin? There is no speaking of the twin beyond the surgery. So the only one baby came, but there was twins? So did they what? Did they kill one of the babies and then they made it, it seem like, like they didn't kill that's the what other it baby? Sounds like. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. That's the interesting part because it seems like maybe... The surgery that they did on the one baby wasn't successful, and they just put it back they in. And then the in. other baby came out. Maybe we don't know. I mean, it's either that or it's Juju. Yeah, no one knows. Know. Yeah. Nigerian yeah. doctor. Yeah. No Some one knows. Know outside of us, yeah, no people know what that is. I mean, that's insane. I mean, that that doesn't sound good at all. Because I mean, naturally speaking. The baby's supposed to remain in the womb for nine months, and you're not supposed to be artificially removing the baby from the womb at all. So that doesn't sound doesn't sound good. That sounds like you know they're just like trying shit out. I wonder if we could have people. like a follow up with this story. Fo like, 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 what, like we could like see like rapid the life part two. Yeah, like the life of this child, <laughs> like in the next two years or something. <laughs> Rapid fire three years from now. Yeah, I mean, we could do that. Some of these stories, I'm like, what happened to those things? Right. Like, what happened to those people or what happened to those stories and all that kind of stuff? So we should. We should do, like, a follow rapid up. fire follow-up. Yeah. Like, we should find out what, you know, the crazy, like, you know, Nigerian doctor is up to or the guy <laughs> allegedly with a chair. Uh, okay. Next topic. A uh, controversial new Whole Foods up opens up in Washington, D.C. So basically at this Whole Foods in Washington, D.C., you have to scan to do everything. All right. So you have to scan to get in the store. You have scan, to scan what? Uh, it doesn't say. It just says that you have to scan. Now, we know that there's been a Whole Foods that's opened up somewhere else where you have the, uh, the palm scanners. Uh -huh. for checking out so it's possible that they're using that same system there but uh we're not 100 percent sure oh yeah it actually is the palm scanners i see it in the it's video the now it's the palm scanners so keep keep going so you have to opt into the whole thing right you can only use this if you've opted into the palm scanning so you have to scan to get in 
You have to scan to get to checkout. You have to scan to exit checkout. So how do they know how much money you have? It's all based on your palm print? Yeah, your palm print. It's not even a palm print, right? So the assumption or the, the story that they were giving was that it doesn't, this is secure because it doesn't give up any identifying uh, properties. But your fucking palm? Your whole hand? So they say that it's not about your palm. It's a technology that doctors use to find veins. Like when they're trying to give you some sort of an injection and they don't want to hit the wrong so vein. So now it's getting even weirder. Exactly. So now they're saying that they're using vein patterns to, like, as the identifying thing, like, for the palm scanning. So it scans that vein pattern and then you uh, link that to a card. And then you can just use your palm to pay for things. So you guys remember when, like, uh, there used to be those conspiracy videos and they would talk about, like, how in the future there's going to be, like, a new world order and then it's all going to be through, like, a chip in your hand and all that Flying kind of stuff. cars. The mark, like, of the, mark of the beast. Mark of the beast, all that exactly. kind of stuff. It looks yeah. like those people were telling the truth. Oh, yeah. Because it looks like we're getting there. I can't say that they were lying. Like, you can't say that those people were lying. But then the whole thing is, is that like everybody used to mock those people. Because I remember, and it, you used to look at conspiracy theorists and be like, oh, are you just a conspiracy theorist? And then you would like do it in such a condescending way. You know, that term is interesting, conspiracy theorists. Because didn't they like come up with that term? Like the CIA. Yeah, the CIA. CIA because employee. people yeah. were actually figuring out what they were doing. Yeah. So then they just kind of like put it in the news to kind of like make those people seem crazy. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not far-fetched to think that maybe people are just able to perceive what the hell is going on. Or maybe they're just in the know. And then when you're in the know and then the government doesn't want you to know... Or doesn't want their agenda to be figured out, then mm -hmm. they find ways to discredit the people that are figuring it out mm -hmm. instead of copying to all of the crazy shit that they're actually doing. And it's funny because for me to theorize something, it has to exist. So yeah, the mean, conspiracy has to be real. It's so, true. I mean, but a conspiracy, what is that anyway? A conspiracy is just a, a plan. So it just it's a plan that people have figured out and then you're just saying that they're theoreticizing it as opposed to it actually existing. And then what becomes even funnier is that theory is sort of the basis for this whole scientific world that we have somehow. Science has nothing but theories. <laughs> so it's like you try to denounce it on one count yeah. when they're trying to figure out what you're doing, but on the other hand, it's like, if you don't have a theory, then we don't have to pay attention to anything. The mind else. games, they never end. They never don't. They never do. All right. Next up, we have California ruling to elite rules it illegal for security to stop a shoplifter amid growing shoplifting concerns. So there have been a lot of videos again on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, yada, yada, where there's just people going in the stores. So the rule is that if it's under nine hundred and fifty dollars, like they can't stop you mm -hmm. or they're advised not to stop people like 
the state so how do law. you know if it's under $950? Yeah, you you calculate. <laughs> you know what you're going to go get. You walk out into the store and you say, okay, I need this, 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 and this. It costs this, this, and this. And you're going to get it. So then, like, you're telling me if you have $949 hold on, hold worth on, of stuff. Hold on. Let me, let me correct myself. Can't, can't let me just make it you? very clear. So the state law says that stealing merchandise worth $950 or less is just a misdemeanor. So that means that law enforcement probably won't look into it. Like they won't arrest the person because mm -hmm. it's like, it's petty. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So people are just like taking advantage of it. So As now it's should. like, <laughs> why won't the store employees yeah. like do anything about it? You know, but they don't want to take the risk of like having all of these problems with law enforcement when they're not really going to do anything about it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, that's. I don't want to say anything incriminating. That's only California. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say that you know, uh, hey, yeah, you know, keep nine fifty or less. You're in the clear. <laughs> like you know, like keep hitting the European designer stores. Find out where. Go hit Rodeo Drive. Go go to Louis. Louis Vuitton, go to, you know, Ferragamo, go to all of those European designers and take to your heart's desire. Just make sure it's 950 or less. And you're good to go. Screw them. Go take, go take, go take what you want. Wear a mask, though, so you can keep doing yeah, it. Yeah, don't get caught. The same yeah, store over and over. Yeah, don't get caught. I'm just kidding. These are all jokes. We're just joking. We are not advocating for burglary and all of these other criminal activities that are happening. We are not advocating for that. We're just advocating not getting caught. Fair enough. Next topic. We have, uh, this one was really wild. This is a big one. Uh, there's a nurse named Lucy Letby who has been found like guilty. a porn star. Lucy Letby? Yes. Letby. Letby. L-E-T-B-Y. Letby. So she's guilty. She's been found guilty of murdering seven babies. Ooh, wow. that got dark so, fast. Yes. Wow. Um, Lucy Letby was named the worst serial killer of children in modern UK history. So she was found of guilty, found guilty of murdering seven babies and trying to kill six others. So there was a screenshot that surfaced between her and I believe another coworker where the co-worker is texting her and saying, sorry if I was off. No, she texts the co-worker and says, sorry if I was off. I just wasn't, it wasn't a great start to the shift, but sadly, you know, it got worse. She's starting to feel a way about doing it. So now she's like having these mixed feelings about what she's doing. So she was just killing babies and then got a conscience suddenly? I guess so. Like in, in one night or was this over the course? Of no, the this is over the course because she's been to court about it before. What? And they haven't arrested her. They didn't arrest her? Where is this? This is in the UK. Okay, well, so was she willingly killing the UK. Was she willingly killing these babies or was she just following orders? Supposedly there's something where like she's doing it on That's purpose. That's a good question. Nah, sounds like they... Yeah. they but what they color did, were these babies? <laughs> Good, another one. <laughs> That's not a part of the report. Do any names on the babies? Nah. Like any names that sound somewhat 
non-white. <laughs> <laughs> so it says the, the 33-year-old was a nurse at the neonatal unity at the Countess of Chester Hospital when she was committed of her crimes between 2015 and 2016. She was found not guilty on two attempted murder charges and the jury were hung on six other counts. So she was found guilty on two and then the jury just didn't make a decision on six of them. So she was just, and they let her back into the fucking workforce? Exactly. Sounds like she's a scapegoat for the actual hospital itself. I mean, who Probably. knows? It could be it could be the hospital. It could be like she just could be working for people, just going out and killing babies. So, yeah, she was texting like I was struggling to accept what happened to baby A. And now we've lost baby C. It's all a bit much. And then the co-worker's like, I'm hoping you're going to be OK. And she's like, I just keep seeing them both. No one should have no one should have to see and do the things we do. See, it's heartbreaking. You see? But she it's not me. about me. We'll learn to deal with it. Yeah, we should check that hospital out. Yeah, I would not go. No give one birth should at go the there. Hospital. No one should go there. Yeah. My heart goes out to her. I feel like she might be the victim in this. That's that's very yeah. possible. That's that's unfortunate. But that's what happens, you know. Modern medical system. It's a monster. Don't have babies in hospitals. That's all you can do. Yeah. All right, last topic. A little less crazy, I guess. <laughs> a leading politician says victory for Niger's coup leaders would be the end of democracy in Africa. Mm. Uh, an official of the West African Bloc of Nations says 11 countries in the region have agreed to commit troops to a military development aimed at restoring Niger's democratically elected president following last month's coup. Um, yeah, so on Friday, the ECOWAS Commissioner for Peace and Security, Abdel Fatou Moussa, said 11 countries have committed to the deployment. We're ready to go anytime the order is given, uh, Moussa said in the Ghana capital, Accra. Uh, following two days of meetings there, our troops are ready to respond to the call of duty of the region. Um, that's interesting, because they said a democratic leader they want to restore the democratic leader, but somebody else said that would be the end of democracy. Yeah. Well, what is democracy really? If we like really want to get into that, because I mean, do we really need democracy? I mean, democracy, from my understanding, what I can see is the very problem itself. Like they come, they say the way you do things isn't correct. The way you live isn't correct. Your spiritual practices aren't correct. Your, the way your society is functioning isn't correct. The way we do it here in Europe is correct. So we're gonna come, we're gonna colonize you and give you democracy. So I mean, if they're trying to reinstate this democratic leader, I don't see how that can be the end of democracy. For the democracy to be an end, we as, what do you wanna say, African people, indigenous people, whatever, we have to come to an understanding that 
we have to, if we want true freedom, we have to first be able to get rid of the colonial mindset. We have to get rid of the white man's mindset. We have to get rid of the white man's tools. And democracy is nothing but the white man's tool. So there can, be no, there can be no evolution as long as we're still trying to fight for things that has been given to us by people who've colonized us. And, uh, yeah, you know, it, it, that, that, we'll just leave it at that because, uh, you know, we speaking on colonial tools and speaking on, you know, identity and things like that, that ties into our topic today. Uh, we wanted to have a conversation and luckily we are very lucky to have the brother that we have here today. And we would like to welcome our guest, Menelik. Come on down, please. And uh, <clears throat> welcome, welcome. Thank you, thank you for having me. We appreciate you for coming on, coming on. Uh, I recognize this is going to be a relatively short-lived appearance. Yes, we know. We know you. You have to head out, possibly. So I'm going to say possibly. You know, in the possibilities that you don't head out, but if you do, we understand. Um, unfortunately, capitalism calls and. <laughs> You know, as much as we want to liberate ourselves, bills yeah. need to be paid. Just speaking speak to the mic know, for you us. Gotta, you got to suffer through it sometimes. Yep. Colonial tools again. Colonial tools. And yet, the conversation that we wanted to have today was surrounding the black card. I'm not talking about the American Express card. I'm talking about the proverbial black card. Because... Uh, I think it was this week. I don't really remember. Um, I made some mac and cheese, right? Mm -hmm. And when I made mac and cheese, there was a sister. She said to me, she was like, mm, I didn't know. She was like, you knew how to make mac and cheese. She was like, I see how you earned your black card. And I was <laughs> like, uh... And I really had to stop and kind of think about it for a bit, like how we throw that term around, right? Like how there's the proverbial black card. And it's kind of funny because to say that there's such a thing as a black card speaks to a group of people seeming to have an identity problem because it kind of speaks to us kind of functioning and moving in a way where we could say to one another that you are either aligned with the identity or what the cultural identity would provide to you or you're not. And I know, I know that uh, you could maybe speak on... I, I, I just have a question. Yeah, um, because when you, you're basically saying like, or if I'm hearing you correctly... Uh -huh. I'm hearing you say that the idea that there is this proverbial black card that we toss around uh, within the community speaks to an identity crisis specifically because it's this in-group, out-group sort of dynamic that you're building out. Is that like what the core of what you're saying is? I mean, it, it does to a certain extent because to to truly understand what the, the root of where this identity of 
like calling yourself black comes from mm-hmm. it actually comes from the historical context of back in the way 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 back when there was a specific group of people coming to learn from the ancestors that were populating the region that we now know as the Nile Valley or we refer to as the Nile Valley and they had learned a few things and in learning a few things they adopted a particular color to identify themselves as and in identifying themselves as that they said from now on we want to be known as the white ones and I'm kind of you know giving you the spark notes history of of this and long story short in their conquests of colonization they made sure that anybody that was not aligned with them were known as the black ones in their imperialistic conquests so that not to cut you off but the interesting thing about that is when we can say the Greeks and then later on the Romans started their kind of like conquest of like colonization. They had to colonize even what we know as Europe today first. Mm-hmm. And in doing so, a lot of the tribes that were there in Europe, whether they be Celtic or um, Shout out to the Irish. Slavic, whatever, or the people that's like far north, the Germanic tribes, they actually distinguished themselves different from those people. Like I know today we all have this concept of like white and black. So by looking at somebody and seeing how somebody looks, we might identify a specific group of people as white. But the interesting interesting thing is those people back then who looked like what we might identify as white looked at those other people who we also might identify as white. They saw them as black. But it was black not based on the skin tone or the skin complexion. It was more so black based on a cultural perspective mm. it was like black based on the idea of one person being more superior than the other person just based off of quote-unquote cultural so can i hop in because there are a couple of different things that i'm seeing y'all are, are touching on one yeah. is sort of the history of racialization which is an actual thing that happened like there was a time before we had black white asian that's not how people considered themselves and you know it starts really in that Mesopotamian region with a lot of Arab scholars, goes into Greeks, goes into Romans, there's a long history there. So there's that part of like, there is a group of people who identify themselves as superior and then they otherize everybody else. And yep. you know the, the shorthand for that is everybody else is black because you're not us. So that's one part of it. I think there is another conversation that is probably a bit more germane to this discussion. Um, Just because when we talk about the concepts of blackness and whiteness, it's really, really hard in the modern era to divorce those ideas from American history and the history of, you know, race relations specifically in North America. And, you know, we can go to Brazil, we can go to the Caribbean, and there are a lot of similarities, but right now we live in a racialized globe that is sort of fundamentally built on the concepts that America perfected. And a lot of that othering and a lot of that racialization, because we can, we can go back 75, 100 years and say the Irish were not white. 
Correct. There was actually a process that they had to do to socialize themselves in America to become white. And so I think we're, we're sort of, you, you're jumping from one place that's thousands of years ago and then speaking about sort of how they developed those terms and without going through the various iterations of, okay, and now we're here and mm -hmm. blackness is this, is this construct to us and whiteness is now also a concept. So as much as we want to deny it and say, hey, white people are not a monolith, that's very, very true. But in the context of America, whiteness and blackness are very different things because I'm black American. I don't have another flag. I can't be like I'm Jamaican or I'm Nigerian or I'm South African or like, you know, my people are Kenyan. I'm black in a very generic American sense of the word. Mm -hmm. And so when we have this conversation, for me, it's like, okay, there's my weird, unique tribe that kind of doesn't have a home. And then there's how do we relate to this broader struggle and where do we choose to unify? How do we choose to unify? What is this umbrella term that we're even talking about in practice today? And how are we using that to conceive of ourselves, to conceive of other people, to, to congregate and organize? So I think everything you just said is exactly the point he was trying to make. Well, so the problem is, yeah. again, the same historical context that you're mentioning in America is the problem because that's the same historical context that led to the identity crisis because the fact that a group of people don't have a flag or they don't have a home or they don't have an identity what they have to latch on to is that idea that was kind of given to them it was an idea created for them by outside sources so then people then latch on to that kind of identity without knowing what was predating that thing and before that. Can I push back against that? Because there's a certain level of, you're just kind of telling me that, and I'm hearing it this way, you may not be trying to say it this way, but you kind of just said your black identity was given to you by someone else, and you and your people didn't have any part in creating this. And I kind of reject that, because while I don't have a unique flag that is not American, all iteration of American culture come really from my people. And our unification within one another, the way that we have chosen to associate with one another, in part was because we were, right, we were rejected by larger societies, but we also self-organized. We also you know, built communities within ourselves. Self-organized to do what? To survive. you also mentioned it. It's about assimilating, Survival. it's about assimilating into and, the larger structure. You, you see what you just did? You just said that my people trying to survive was assimilation. I didn't talk about how our communities assimilated into America. That's not what I was talking about. No, before you had said that, the I thing said, is- We rallied they, together to survive oppression because we were being literally murdered in mass. So what part of me organizing with my people when people are trying to kill me is assimilation? Because the thing is this, we can't deny the history and the fact that those things happened, right? There was violence against people that look like you, that people that look like me. But the reality is, when you separate a group of people from what is natural to them, then you put them in a state of having to survive. 
you put them in a state of having to do things that's unnatural to them and to their being. So when you do that, those group of people have to attach themselves to the very same thing that's actually killing them. So that's why you, even you even said it, every area and aspect of what we can call American culture, which I would argue that American culture is actually uncultural because it has to take from everything and everyone else, every and, bit in peace. And so, but, but this is the thing, you're, you're, you're making conclusions from, word, from things that I didn't say. So when I say- No, you said it. Again, like my, my point though, when I say American culture is based on black culture, right? There is a long history and tradition of West African music and a good portion of that survived into what we now call black American music. The history of all American popular music starts with the minstrel show. It starts with white people imitating black people. It moves into that. We have the Negro spiritual, we move into the blues and gospel, and constantly the popular American culture is a regurgitation of that by people who were not there when it was built. We see it now with hip hop, where the way that hip hop started is not where it is now because it got commercialized, because it got absorbed. And so when you argue that we're trying to assimilate, I'm saying, no, 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 we're in a situation where our oppressors are constantly here doing all these things. When we are trying to survive, when we are building our own things, for you to say because you know the powers that be came and, and made capitalism ruin it and took it from you, you were trying to assimilate, I, I think that's a little short-sighted and I think it takes a lot of agency away from people who created a lot of things in opposition to those very structures that were beating them down. So. But you can't, the thing is, you can't really create something in opposition to a structure that you claim is beating you down when you're creating it within the same structure. That's a yes and no thing, I think. Because when you say like creating it within the same structures, was the Black, power, the Black Panther Power, uh, the Black Panther Party for self-defense, when they made free lunch programs and eventually shame the US government into mm -hmm. providing free and reduced lunch. Was that them working within the system or was that them organizing within their community and taking care of their own? Yeah, that's them organizing within the community so and taking care of their that, own. So how was that them working within the system? Because you just said when they did that, that was them working within the system and therefore- No, that's not what I said. That's not what I said. So hold what on, I'm hold saying on, hold is on. this. One, one second, one second, one second, one second, one second. One second. So, <clears throat> because I know that Menelik is going to have to go very soon. And really, this episode was supposed to be in the entirety of the two hours when we aired. We were going to be lucky enough to have Menelik for the entirety of the show. But because we're not going to be able to have Menelik for the entirety of the show, and this is exactly why we want to be able to have Menelik on the show, is so that we're able to have these in-depth long form conversations, but we're gonna have to cut the conversation short in five minutes. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm enjoying this. <laughs> so I, 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 but I do, I do have to find a stopping point at mm -hmm. some point so that we're able to, because I know that you guys have to go to work, but we wanna be able to have you back on the show uh, I know we already have some guests lined up for the coming weeks, but we just want to be able to make sure that, you know, you're able to come back. And then when you come back, we're going to be able to continue this discussion. 
in its longer form because I know there's a lot to talk about. I know there's a lot, you know, there's a lot of things to dissect. But, you know, for the sake of time, because I already see the way the, you know, the way the debate is going strong. It's not a debate. It's a conversation. I mean, yeah, it's a conversation. It's a conversation. But nonetheless, you know, uh, we'll just end it. We'll we'll end it right here because I know Menelik has to go in a couple minutes. So, you know, Menelik, we appreciate you for coming on. Thank you for having me. And we are very much looking forward to consider this a little snippet into the long form episode when we're able to do it. And uh, yeah, you know, we will we'll see you the next time. Yeah. And we appreciate you, Menelik. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Unfortunately, we did have to, uh, there was just a, a scheduling conflict uh, that Menelik had to attend to that would uh, start at uh, 10 o'clock. And unfortunately, just due to some technical difficulties, we weren't able to you know, go live immediately at 8 in order to have the full show with Menelik. Uh, but uh, we are definitely looking forward to having Menelik back because... Uh, we want to be able to have conversations like uh, the conversation we were starting to have. Um, looks like, yeah, it looks like um, people are saying that the, the mics are off. No. Oh, okay. Nonetheless, um, So yeah, anyway, uh, <laughs> what? Oh. <laughs> okay, so yeah, so just doubling back to, you know, the, the conversation we were starting to have, it's, the thing is this, is that we, we tend to have this, this thing in, America and ooh, yeah, we're waiting for you, bro. <laughs> so we tend to have this thing where in America, where uh, you know we there tends to be like an identity crisis of sorts. And there tends to be an identity crisis of short, of sorts where it's like, you know, we will kind of, you know, find ourselves at odds with one another based on like what someone's identity could be or what someone's identity couldn't be, so on and so forth. And particularly, it tends to rear its head a lot when we're dealing with you know a lot of people that feel like their culture has been taken from them and they don't know how to maybe get that culture back or they don't know how to kind of you know confront those kind of things 
and then we can find ourselves in a position where you know we will kind of be pointing the finger at one another instead of kind of you know pointing a finger at the things that find us to be divided so this is really kind of the basis behind the conversation that we wanted to have today um you know unfortunately menelik had to had to leave he had to go to work so uh we're gonna pause that conversation with menelik but we will continue to discuss the uh the topic at hand without menelik and then we'll be able to continue the conversation when Menelik comes back. But uh, yeah, it just it's unfortunate because we tend to find ourselves at odds with one another instead of really kind of dealing with the issue. And the issue at hand is the fact that we've lost a cultural identity. And because we've lost a cultural identity, we tend to identify with generic shit like you know how to cook mac and cheese or you know how to cook collard greens or you know how to you know you know how to dance you can moonwalk or you can crip walk or you can do this or you can do that not everybody can moonwalk yeah i know that shit is hard <laughs> moonwalking is very difficult not everybody can moonwalk but you know you guys know what i'm saying though is like it tends to be this thing where it's like becomes this generic it's like if you use slang, you're considered black. If you don't use slang, yeah, then you're not considered black. If you do these things, you're considered this. If you don't do these or things, if you don't vote for Biden, that. you ain't black. <laughs> oh, that's what they're saying. Now? That's what Biden said. Yeah, Wait, that's what that, Biden said. That was yeah. like the thing with the election. Like that's how he got. If you don't vote for vote. me, you ain't black. <laughs> He said it. I wouldn't vote for Biden. I didn't vote in the last election, and I don't care. No, I didn't. I haven't voted since the first Obama election since two thousand. Yeah, since That's they the got last me to think time. it was yeah. cool. In high I ain't school. never voted in my life. You've never voted? Never. No, they made me vote one time, and guess what? Oh, guess what age you voted? Vote. No, 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 no. Listen, guess what yeah. age I was? How old? I was like eight. They made us vote. They Come gave on, us vote. They gave us this fake. They gave us a fake poll to kind of prepare us to start voting when we get older. Uh, in elementary. Wow. So, yeah, but that's not the same thing, bro. That's the only time I ever voted. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever, bro. That's not voting. Okay. Anyway, I haven't voted since the last, uh, since the first. Excuse me, since the first Obama election, and I, if I was voting in this election if trump i'm gonna say this and i don't care if trump gets that nomination trump is who i would vote for you know that after you like every who? week that said, you say who? this wait who's that in the comments they, oh, people get after, after me you every week i didn't know in the comments. oh and speaking of which before we go any further um shout out to matthew ruta uh matthew we we got your email we don't want you to think we didn't get your email mm -hmm. we got your email we uh we will get back to you we would like to feature you on the show i don't know where you are i don't know if you're in the area uh but um yeah we'll uh, we'll discuss that at some point we we did not uh we are not ignoring your email we got your email and we will get back to you we appreciate the very thoughtful and uh lengthy uh email that you sent and we will get back to you. 
And on that note, yes, I would definitely, I don't care if people are coming after me in the comments, I would definitely vote for Trump. And I would definitely vote for Trump because Trump is not good for the system. Mm. And that's why I would vote for Trump. I would vote for Trump because he blatantly exposes how corrupt mm -hmm. the system is and how the system works and how it's laid out and what it does. And you can see how corrupt the politicians are and how dysfunctional, or you can say functional, uh -huh. these so-called politicians functions. are yeah. and how it functions. Yeah. So I would definitely vote for Trump. Run that to the bank. Now that I think about it, it's like Trump is like the, he's like the spoiled like nephew of America. Like it makes perfect sense that he would be the one to like really expose everything because he's like i don't care what you're talking about yeah. i could just go to my uncle like it's my like, yeah, uncle we has pay taxes I, why would yeah, i pay taxes? taxes this is how you do it exactly exactly <laughs> i say yo they are messing things up in the white house that war it didn't make sense exactly it Hillary, doesn't Hillary yeah. killed those people it didn't make sense <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, is like these politicians have been hiding behind their power for so long. Like, have you guys seen that old ass politician that can't even she hasn't been at work for like months, but they won't fire her? I don't know her name, but if somebody could pull up her name, she's like that old ass politician and she hasn't been at work for I don't know how long. And they're talking about how she needs to resign. She's like, no, I refuse to resign. Like, Nancy Pelosi. Like, when you really look into Nancy Pelosi and, like, her and her husband and, like, how much money they have and where they get their money. Mm. I saw the funniest thing on Instagram one day. It was like, you guys ever seen that episode when Dave Chappelle is the president? And then they start asking him <laughs> questions. And then he, My like, alien. yeah, he, and then he knocks the thing off the table <laughs> and then runs out. Right. And then they're talking about how that is Nancy Pelosi, like how she handled that mm. like when they started talking to her about the money. And there's so much corruption in like politics that we just I don't understand how people to this day still look at or view politics or view the system and view voting mm -hmm. as a viable, legitimate, real option. So it's kind of like what you were talking about. It's like when you have an identity crisis or like Diane certain things Feinstein, have been like stripped from you, like certain mm -hmm. things have been stripped from you. The only thing you have to latch on to is what's in front of you, like what's been presented to you. So you kind of like start to like build some kind of identity or some kind of emotional attachment to those things. So voting is one of those things. It's like, okay, they took traditional society away. They took the way we ran and governed ourselves mm -hmm. and they gave us democracy and they gave us these votings and all these Instead things. Instead of kingship. And, and, right. Mm -hmm. And now they make us feel like we're empowered mm -hmm. by actually being one of the people to cast the vote which is actually false because we already know how that really goes behind scenes right? Right, right now you have this emotional attachment to that feeling of i voted mm -hmm. my opinion matters mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. who i think should be in there matters because i have power to do that mm -hmm. which is again falsehood so you have the emotional attachment to it so you start to develop this kind of identity around it where i'm a voter i'm mm -hmm. i'm this i'm that so it's just another, again, just one of those colonial tools that they use to kind of like keep people in this like weird zoo-like mentality where it's like they can't think outside of that zoo-like box. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, it... I mean, yeah. Voting is just not... But it, even on the topic of the whole black card thing, right? Like, I'm from Newark, and um, I remember when Sharp James was in office. Everybody loved Sharp, Sharp James because he was like everybody's uncle. He was like the city's uncle. Like I don't he, even know he, he, he did things <laughs> for like the public schools. He was yeah. the mayor of North for a while. And everybody would really call him Uncle Sharp. Like you could really go to his house. Like he Go was to his just, house? Like he was the mayor, but he was somebody that was really from there. So people really knew him. Like it was like he was an old guy at that point, mm -hmm. but he didn't like shy away from the city at all. Like people knew who he was and he was just that cool. And he really did things like in an unorthodox way that other mayors wouldn't do. Like sort of like Trump, but not necessarily where he would just like spend money in a way that really impacted like the people in the community. Like he really gave them money, like straight up. Like sometimes mm -hmm. you would see him on the street and he would just give you money. Like he was Uncle Sharp. Like he wasn't. Come back. <laughs> no, seriously. Come back to office. <laughs> People want him back in office, but now we have uh, Roz Baraka, who's also from the city. This is Amiri, Amiri Baraka's son. Son, yeah. And now there's this, there was this thing that popped up in the news uh, in Newark a few days ago where Roz Baraka sort of insulted some guy and said that he like did some heinous thing, like raped a girl or something. And the guy was kind of calling him out like, well, you want to say that about somebody, but what are you doing really for the community? Like you kicking people out of their homes and then, you know, redeveloping it, selling it back at these prices where people can't get back into the places where they've lived for all these years and yada, yada, yada. So it's like, no matter who's in office at the end of the day, you know, you can have a black face that's mm -hmm. in the office that looks like you, that supposedly has that black card for all these years. Mm -hmm. And then when they get in office, you gonna find a reason to take their black card because now you're not doing, you can't, mm -hmm. you can't function in the same way. It's not like you can actually be like a real human. Like Uncle Sharp, like they had to get him up out of there. <laughs> he was spending money in the wrong ways. Like we can't, this next election, we gotta get him up money. out of there. Yeah. Exactly, it's like, that's when Cory Booker came in uh, uh, oh, after yeah. Sharp James. So it was like that strong contrast. Like, nah, we need like, you know, everybody knows Cory Booker is a little bit more, yeah. Yeah, I mean, everybody knows Cory Booker. He's a little, Tom. little conservative. He's Tom DeBois <laughs> from fucking Boondocks. Like, we could just say it. Like, he is he's Tom, Tom DeBois from exactly. the Boondocks. Exactly. Like, I mean, no. he just, he's just trying to survive. Who? Exactly. Corey? Exactly. And that. Well, yeah, he's just trying to. Point. I mean, the whole thing is, is like, and this is kind of the, this is where we kind of wanted to bring the conversation. And I know Menelik had to leave, but I'm very much looking forward to Menelik coming back because it, it did give I know it gave a lot of viewers probably blue balls <laughs> because it was like you know the foreplay started and then we had to we had to end it so uh, it is very much that you know it's sort of like the system provides you two choices and the system provides you two choices is kind of like adopt its views and adopt its views in a way where you either assimilate further and further into the system by utilizing its tools. Mm -hmm. And one of the main ways that they do that is through the stripping of your identity. Like America is very much a 
culture that its foundation is the fact that it has no culture. And the reason why it has no culture and the reason why America is so successful is because America strips you of your culture. And that's why so many people that come here, like, you see it. Like, my parents are from, mm-hmm. from Africa. Like, your parents are from Jamaica, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, some other initiates, like, we have an initiate, she's from India. And her parents are from India. And anyone that grows up as an immigrant in America knows how much the culture of Mm -hmm. the way that they like kids even kind of like attack you for having Mm -hmm. a culture Mm -hmm. like there's nicknames like i'm the i'm the strong contrast here because i'm uh, just a nigga from like newark new jersey i it took me so long to leave newark new jersey like africans african African booty booty scratcher like everything i could everything i could come up with bro anything that had anything to do with either brownness i was calling you dookie i was calling you twix i would call you anything like if you brown like we'll just call you anything that's a good one twix like twix is a great candy Ashy. It's a great, it's phenomenal mm. candy. Sometimes I call that's know, debatable. Ashy. I had a friend named Henry, right? What's better than Twix, bro? Yeah, Twix is. Come on, bro. Mm-hmm. What? You what? So? You eat Kit Kats, bro? You a yeah, Kit Kat kind of nigga? Yeah, I do like it. You like it? You seem like a Kit Kat kind of nigga. Ain't nobody like Kit Kats but you. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you that's and fine. women like Kit Kats. No that's one fine. else eats Kit Kats. That's fine. Me and all the women eat the Kit Kat. That's fine. I've only met women that like Kit Kat. That's fine. Like, I've never met a dude that eats Kit Kat. That's fine. Aside from you. You met one today. But okay, anyway, back to Henry. <laughs> so, yeah, Henry was like, he was the blackest of black that we had ever seen at Maple like, Avenue so Elementary blue. School. Like, I so swear, black, bro. Blue. So black and blue. Uh-huh. And, but like Henry Shout out to Henry It's Henry okay didn't Henry. Care. We accept yeah. you now Henry's my yeah. boy forever You're accepted now He yeah. said Real quick Just a funny story About Henry Henry I hope you see this Somehow Because <laughs> I'm never Gonna forget this bro And I reminisce On this moment Poor All the time Henry. And it makes me laugh yeah. So Henry was A master Car thief at a very very young age, bro. Oh, it was he was just a product of the environment. We live in a north, bro. Right now, bro. I mean, hey, Henry's <laughs> gone. He's like living in his homelands now. He's gone. Oh, Henry's Henry's He's gone. Back Henry's in not even his name. Oh, <laughs> Henry's oh, okay, not okay, even okay, his okay, name. Okay, cool, cool. Of course not. Yeah, <laughs> no exactly, way. Exactly. So Henry was like so cool because he had like cars. He would like have bikes. And we were like young kids. We had elementary school. Like he's like he's fast and furious in real life. He's a real person that's like fast and furious. So Henry's one day he's like, "Yo, let's start a bike club." Bike, bike club. Let's start a let's start a bike club. Like and you know what bicycle? we gonna, you know what we're gonna end up doing? We're gonna start a bike shop, and then we're gonna fix bikes and we're gonna get rich. Henry had a soul. It was, but it was the luster of it all. He has a car, bro. Yeah. He's a car. Yeah. And we're in elementary school, so we like, all right, bet. He like, but we gotta, we gotta get some money. So every week, you get some money from your mother. You get some money from your mother. You get some money from your mother. How old are we gonna y'all? put it in this jar? We like twelve, bro. We like twelve. <laughs> so and we, we like, had the master plan. I right, bet, bet, bet. We went in peanut backyard. We go in Peanuts backyard, we dig a hole uh-huh. and put the jar of money in there. 
for two weeks, right? We kept it up for two weeks. So maybe it's like $50 in <laughs> And then what? Henry was taking all we the money? We put the jar in there. We yeah. come out one day. It's like the, the one day that we're going to buy like one tool. We have enough to buy like one tool. Yeah. We go in there. The jar is gone. <laughs> Henry took it. Henry didn't show yeah. up that day. Henry took he it. He knew he was supposed to yeah. be there. He didn't show up that day. We didn't see Henry for like three weeks. We didn't see him for like three weeks. He pops up one random day. With like a new watch or something and we like henry what's up yo like we were looking yeah. for you we, just, we can't find the money henry's like y'all probably got robbed bro <laughs> well he Wait. said it so calm yeah me and peanut and yo all the, everybody else just looked at each other because we knew it was henry yeah when he said it so calm clearly henry he was just yeah. like hey, y'all probably got robbed bro but i'll never forget that henry yeah, it, 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 it showered out. me in the moment, yeah. but you are a hilarious person, and you have made a great memory for me, Henry. Well, shout out to Henry and his thieving ways. Um, so, yeah, back to the black card. Yeah, after that, I called Henry like everything that I could every time that I saw him. Oh, really? Every time. This is... Well, you were a little salty. Memory. That's, that's yeah. a little different. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that the problem but, is... But in whole mm -hmm. it's a part of the same thing it's the this because the i don't culture i don't have the culture i don't yeah. have mm -hmm. something that i know you have mm -hmm. in that way so i have to find some way to get like mm -hmm. a way for me to feel like i have something mm -hmm. that you don't and now we have this uh you know this fight that we've yeah. been divided it's in kind that of way. like mm -hmm. bringing somebody down to your level exactly it's kind of like well you have it and i don't know what's going on today but it seems like the that the air is everyone's kind of tense <laughs> and after the day i've had if i'm this calm i think everybody can calm down <laughs> but uh like um sorry going back to to what i was saying was it is very much like because i remember my dad always used to say because i used to like you would get made fun of so much that mm -hmm. i remember i went home crying one time and my dad was like let me tell you something and he was like you have to understand that people are attacking you in that way because you know where you're coming from. Mm -hmm. He was like, and these people don't know where they're coming from. He was like, so that's why they feel they have to attack you in that way. Mm -hmm. And vice, it's, it's vice versa. I don't want to cut you off. Yeah. But it's also vice versa because in retrospect, they can also say we're attacking them because they don't know where they're coming from so that's like in a way for those people it you know the f mm -hmm. just that feeling mm -hmm. like can you imagine just not knowing who your parents are i mean yeah that's yeah that's, can you imagine not knowing I you myself don't know don't have to imagine <laughs> right i don't know one of them and but nobody's ever used that against me mm -hmm. like in a yeah, but you know, an argument you? or something like that. You can. Can someone say that? People like, have you done just, it. You but just people, like, people because do, I do grew that. up in that kind of like oh. environment. Mm -hmm. I grew up in Newark, bro. Oh, like I went to like, a, you don't know a your dad, public nigga. school. Yo, straight up. Oh, damn. Man, yeah. cruel as school kids, as they say. Seriously. But that's the thing, though. It's like, how how can we even like really bridge the gap? Because the problem, again, is the identity crisis, right? Yeah. And it's, and problem that's there because people don't know where they're coming from yeah. but people who don't know where they're coming from 
the other aspect of it is they've already latched on or attached themselves emotionally Mm -hmm. to the concept of not knowing where you come from exactly so now you have this attachment to not knowing and then now you have the attachment to the identity that you've built or that has been built for you to the point where you refuse to believe that you are not the one in control of Uh that identity there you go and that's the main problem even like what you bringing back to mac and cheese if for for anyone of mac your skin tone shout out to mac and cheese to say <laughs> if you can make mac and cheese then that's good and that you have like a black card for that like yeah. again this is a perfect example what is mac and cheese but mac and cheese is a european and dish even further than that is right it? it is it was a european dish introduced to the south during colonial times and then different groups of people came together and just started eating it the same how corn for the man. wait 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 we have a new sound Okay, keep going. I just needed a reason. Like oh corn, cornbread, right? Cornbread, yeah. for example. We would say that that's like a black southern thing. Yeah. But in reality, cornbread was actually a meal taught to the um, Europeans mm-hmm. by the indigenous people, the Native Americans. And oh, really? it wasn't even called cornbread Damn, at first. That makes so much sense. What was it? Yeah, because they had none corn. but corn. None yeah, but corn. it was corn. Damn. So yeah. it was it was a kind of like corn. They would do the cornmeal, and then they would put it over an open fire, and then they cover it and bake it, and then it comes out Yo, to the cornbread, and that was like what? a staple. So they taught that to the Dutch and the um the Portuguese when they first came here, and then they taught it to the Spanish. Jeez. So that became like a staple meal in like the South and in cornbread like the what they what they call it the Midwest. Mm-hmm. So as black people got introduced to it again people were just sharing ideas this is where the danger of just not knowing where you are coming from comes in because you latch on to the identity of everything that's presented to you I might go get and some then cornbread. now you feel like oh you own this thing yeah. so whatever you do with whatever's been given to you you now take that as the thing that's like oh my god it's mine and there's another element that's added to it though because even with the Honey. the, the <laughs> <laughs> the this thing that you're bringing up about Honey food corporate is great. It's very important <laughs> because it's like not only is it about making mac and cheese, and not only is it about making cornbread, not only is it about making potato salad, it's mm-hmm. about making a good potato salad, uh-huh. right? Don't put no mm-hmm. raisins in your potato salad. Now what's salad? a good potato salad, right? You can't have raisins in it. Uh-huh. You can't like do certain things to these recipes, like you you have to use what heavy cream in your mac yeah, and cheese. It's true. You have to. Do you put eggs you in your mac to, and cheese? You have to. Have to. Yeah. Have to. You have to have six bags of refined sugar in your yams. Uh huh. Yeah. If you don't have, if you aren't pouring bags and bags of sugar in I got your candy pro- yams, I got a problem with yams. Are they real candy are yams? They candy I got yams? a problem with yams because they're not yams. They're and actually potatoes. You, talk about it. Go, go ahead. They're, they're, I'm just saying. No, I'm just saying. They're potatoes. They're not yams. They're not yams. And I know, I know you potatoes. and Menelik were yams. ready to, to fight to the death. But go no, ahead. Tell no, us not about at all. Yams. Not at all. Tell us about yams. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing much. I'm just saying. They're sweet potatoes. They're not yams. Yeah, I mean, there's like an when, African yam. When people, when, when yeah, I it, heard it's yams. not the right name. And you guys even did this to me when we went to the grocery store. And I have to talk about it. Because I was trying to tell you guys, there's Negro yam. 
but when we got to the store, you guys mm-hmm. was showing me sweet potatoes, and I'm like, that's sweet potato, and you're telling me it's yams. So in my Caribbean We've, African yeah, brain, I, remember I could not yeah. understand I what you we were, were saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think we were in Houston. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were in Houston. We were looking for we were looking for yams. Yeah, like the real African yam. And I was telling you, look yeah. for Negro yams, and you're telling me this is what Negro yams is. And lo and behold, when we got <laughs> back, Yo, that's hilarious. We got back. We got back. I, I went to a span. I went to a Spanish store, uh-huh. and the yams that I know as yams, which is African. Yams, Caribbean right. yams, the yeah. same yam. They have it labeled Negro <laughs> yam. And then the sweet potato what? is just sweet potato. And I'm just in my mind, I'm like, so why are they c- calling this yam? Yeah. Mm. But then again, I don't me know. being me, you have to look it up. Again, the the <laughs> term yam is just it's even coming from a Fulani word, yam. yam. Meaning just eat. It's just the thing you eat. Oh, so wow. they mash that and then they just call that the yam. But that's mm-hmm. interesting because the the Madu word is mm-hmm. for swallow yeah. to swallow. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Huh. Which in Jamaica we call it nyam. If you want to eat, you say nyam. Nyam. Wow. Is that the way you guys say it? Yeah, nyam. Nyam. No, not like that. Not Don't like say that. it like that. You no, sound no. a little you're, Asian. You're exaggerating it too. Oh, do I sound Asian? <laughs> Accents were never my strong suit. I will admit that. No, you see, there you, you're going into the. Uh, I don't even know what accent this is. Which that, one? That you always do uh, when you one? start putting on your Marlon Brando uh, voice and you start. It acting. is. It's a Marlon Brando voice. It is. You're just jealous because you don't have a Marlon Brando voice. You guys are okay, just you haters. Got me. You yeah. got me. You guys are just haters. You're joining the hater fan club with Genesis. Because I drew a better picture than Genesis, and then she was just mad about it. Now and I have video proof. I have video old. proof. Yeah, and I got video proof. And I have no shame whatsoever. Going back to the I topic. Won. Genesis, I won. Okay, going back to the topic. Yeah, the point is, you can't really take things that, again, were presented to you, and it was presented to you based off of, again, survival. Mm-hmm. It's based off mm-hmm. of what you had to fit into or conform to and then now use that as your identity. That in itself is describing the, what Tutipso was saying with it being an identity crisis. Because the foundation in which you got that identity was a crisis. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with the Jews. Like Their whole identity is built off of what? A crisis. Mm-hmm. It's built off of an event that right. historically we can't even really prove because that's not even... You know really mm-hmm. what happened mm-hmm. it was more like you got kicked out of somewhere but then you want to play victim and then now because you're playing victim you want to make rewrite the story and say that you were expelled from somewhere hmm. i mean that's the thing is like there's been such a a number done on uh everyone to such a degree that we find ourselves here like basing our identity off of just nonsensical shit just shit that don't make sense and we keep fighting to champion these things that don't take us anywhere Mm. but then make us feel like we have something and it's crazy because if we we were we had uh we had another sign at uh, the international african arts festival Mm -hmm. and it was reparations are a waste of time. Right. Changed yeah. my mind. Mm-hmm. And before all hell broke loose, <laughs> there was a brother that came up and he was saying that mm-hmm. it would not make sense 
for everybody to get millions of dollars because even if they got millions of dollars what would they do with it right put and it back in the system put it back in the system right because and that's the thing is like when you look at what's going on Dude, with charge it to the black card right charge it to the black card <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one charge it to the black card that's a good one and then what what would happen is essentially the antithesis of what you see india and mm-hmm. uae mm-hmm. the united arab emirates and what you see these countries in africa doing which is saying and shout out to the president of burkina faso because he's really he's 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 really saying things and mm-hmm. he's making things he's really ruffling a lot of feathers and he's saying things that need to be said because he's basically saying like africa has all the resources and yet these African countries are going to these so-called superpowers that are dependent upon us exactly. for their resources, mm-hmm. and we're begging to get something from them. Mm-hmm. And it's this is the reason why Hillary killed Gaddafi. Mm-hmm. The reason why Hillary killed Gaddafi is because Gaddafi was talking about getting a currency that was backed by African resources. And they were like, nah, you got to get up out of here. Yeah. And this is the problem, is... In trying to actually get an identity that's not rooted in fucking nonsense. Exactly. That's mm-hmm. not based on fucking yams. What uh, makes your mac and cheese yeah, good. What goes in your fucking mac and cheese. Exactly. We find ourselves arguing about that nonsense instead of actually saying, like, let's get the fuck out of Dodge. Like, and, uh, why are we sitting and arguing about this bullshit? Before... A part of why, in my opinion now, I get to see it based on the conversation that started with uh, Menelik and Kaja Zareman now. And Menelik, you're definitely coming back. Yes, please. You're definitely coming back. Because before I never really looked at it like, okay, these people were just trying to survive, right? Like he was saying the Black Panther Party came together because those people were trying to survive within a community because they're literally being attacked, right? So if you draw that out throughout history, yeah, people are being attacked and they're literally dying. Like, you know, because someone is coming in and trying to bring forth a different way of thinking, right? They think that the way that they think is correct. So they bring it to you and they say, if you don't do it, well, we have to get rid of you because what I'm coming with is correct. Mm-hmm. Like, this is, this is the way it has to work. So those people who do conform to it and do assimilate are essentially trying to survive Mm -hmm. right someone's father was even just saying earlier today that like the progress in america for black people looks like assimilation in a certain way Mm -hmm. and it's like that's that it is assimilation that's the thought process that has to happen it's true uh, that damn video yeah. it, it's the process that has to happen first they have to come in and say like this is this is what's right what you've been doing is for so long is wrong i was just having a conversation with somebody about this the other day it's like they come in and they tell you that whatever you've been doing is wrong they demonize it somehow the generation that they come to that's adults when they come to the generation that's the adults in the community at that time they'll fight back some of them will get killed some of them will assimilate but it's really about targeting like the children Mm -hmm. 
that's why the whole LGBTQ thing, QAI, you know, the trans agenda right now, where they're saying that they're trying to groom the children. If you don't groom the children, it doesn't last. Yeah. If you don't teach a culture to your children, it doesn't last. So that's the whole basis of it, really. But when those people are trying to survive, now the, the part that becomes very tricky or very mental within it is that yes you can survive beyond that point and this is why we're even here doing this work that we're doing now is because some of us will survive but also have the wit and the wherewithal to say behind the scenes there's something else that i have to do there's something that my father's been doing that i have to continue doing even if on the front end I'm just trying to survive. And that's what separates like the person who survived and was able to like continue the mission versus the one that survived and adopted the mission of the one who conquered you. Mm-hmm. So it's it is a very it's a very complex conversation, but you know, that's the point that I think we're really trying to make is right. that yeah. when you when you end up in that situation you have to have something that really like uh gives you a way to get back into the culture that you were taken from like authentically so that you're not just telling yourself that you have a culture that's tied to something when that isn't even a culture per se itself like you were saying yeah it's it but you have to have detachment and that's the problem like it's hard to detach from that idea of that culture which is not a culture because again even the idea that black culture is like the culture that like pushes america forward that everyone is copying it again it's kind of a really big falsehood because what's really even pushing that culture that so-called culture Mm -hmm. which is really just pop culture like hip-hop culture is just pop culture it's just popular culture it's the things that are popular so it's the things that are trendy and the things that repeat Mm -hmm. what's really pushing that is the fact that it's actually coming from America. Have you guys seen mm. They Clone Tyrone? Yeah. 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 You guys yeah, seen yeah. that, right? Yep. And I think yep. that that's so that that movie is so pertinent to mm-hmm. this kind of conversation. For sure. Because it's They genius. Clone t- is genius. It's genius. It was genius. Mm-hmm. And what makes They Clone Tyrone so pertinent to this conversation is you even see like the powers that be that are trying to perpetuate every type of system that they keep in these so-called urban communities mm-hmm. going is that there are certain tropes and there are certain caricatures. Mm-hmm. There are certain individuals that maintain that status quo going in every urban community. Mm-hmm. The pimp, the drug dealer. And no. No, not even they. But they didn't keep. Remember that they hold the hold wasn't one of the people because he was like oh, yeah, you're yeah, so yeah, replaceable. Yeah, yeah. That's true. That's true. That's he true. was like that. We don't need. We don't need. A that's hoe. a fact. It was. I think it was a liquor store person. Mm-hmm. The, uh, and then yeah. it was the. Uh, it was the. They had a few people, but the main people was like the liquor store person, the, the drunk, the the drunk, and mm-hmm. then they had the they had. Uh, Fontaine who was a drug dealer and then they had whatever his name is the pimp and then outside of them then they also slick. had yeah, yeah. slick and yeah. then they also had the dudes that were white 
but looked black Mm -hmm. and they were the managers and they were the ones running the chicken shop Mm -hmm. and then the other place i can't Mm -hmm. remember what the other place was Mm -hmm. liquor store the um liquor store the the chicken shop the church the church church. the church Um, and that's the thing is like that is like that's the problem is that's become the identity of being black like in order for you to have a black card it was funny uh zawaz was talking to us about atlanta earlier he was like you know i met ludicrous at the at the airport one time Luda. and it was just like <laughs> it's funny that you bring it up now because yeah. his, he even has an album named chicken and beer yeah chicken and beer yeah and it's like yeah. there's a really great song off of the nigga album that Nas did back in like 2008 mm-hmm. and it's about uh, fried chicken mm. and it was him and Busta Rhymes that did the song and they talk about fried chicken in a way where the song is from the perspective of the chicken mm. and it's from the perspective I think, I think it's from the perspective of the chicken and also the guy that's making the chicken mm. but then at the end of the song they finally kind of like break it and then they're like, why would I be addicted to something that's killing me? Mm. And it just like, there's so many wonderful pieces of content out there that are challenging you to think outside of what you think your identity is coming from and what your right. identity is. Right. That it makes no sense to be emotionally attached to your identity in such a way where you just want to kind of fight for the identity to say like this is all i have mm-hmm. instead of being like you're right that is all you have mm-hmm. so then why don't you put it down and then learn that there's other things that you can get mm-hmm. instead of trying to fight for this pathetic like remnant of what you think is your identity and being like this is it mm-hmm. because i remember vividly vividly just how different and it took me a long time to really kind of understand this is how different black americans view themselves versus people that are coming from other areas of the diaspora right like and i remember figuring that out at a young age and then realizing like oh okay now i understand what's happening Mm. because you're in the thick of it growing up in america you Mm. don't understand that you're in the middle of people that are literally having an identity crisis. And because they're having an identity crisis, they're not able to reconcile with their feelings of superiority Mm -hmm. or inferiority Mm -hmm. and all of these different complexes that the divide and conquer uh, status Uh, has, circumstances has created for people. Mm -hmm. And then in order to make themselves feel better to some degree, it's let me find some way to bring you down a peg and bring you down to my level, which is somebody that lacks an identity Mm -hmm. or somebody that has no culture. Mm. And that's really the problem because it used to bother me a lot growing up. And I'm like, I don't get it. Mm. I don't get it. It still bothers me. But I'm going to tell you why it bothers me. It bothers me not because I'm offended. It bothers me because I deeply feel angry and I deeply feel some kind of hate um i wouldn't say hatred almost hatred kind of to the system for okay i was like for who for (laughs) no no to the system to the to colonization to like just how much we've been divided to the point where 
these kinds of things exist mm-hmm. in our minds where we have these intellectual battles in our minds versus what's happening in, in our spirit. Yo, I was just that's, about to say that's like, what gets me angry. Yeah. That's the kind of thing that pisses me. For like real. I hate the concept of the diaspora wars. Exactly. Like when I see black Americans versus Caribbeans versus Africans and then different Caribbeans versus other Caribbeans and then diff- different niggas from different states, different niggas from different boroughs versus this and then this and then this African versus this African. When I see all these things, mm-hmm. like I almost feel crazy because it's like, why am I not thinking the same way they're thinking? Right. Why am I not thinking the same way that they're thinking in terms of like trying to get at each other's throats, trying to differentiate between each other in these ways? Like, am I going mad? Am I going insane? So it really, really bothers me personally. Mm. And I think it's something that needs to be said and needs to be talked about but one of the problems with talking about it is again the emotions or mm-hmm. the way that people here have been raised it's like once you mention something that's opposite to what they think in their mind mm-hmm. then they're almost ready to attack you without yeah. even listening yeah. to what you're truly truly trying to say it's Yo, true it's two things right it's two things i want to bring up real quick so one like you was just saying you know, there's this sort of underlying, because really for my whole life, and I can say, I'm going to just say shout out to my ancestors for this, because for my whole life, really, I felt, you know, this sort of undying, like, angst to be closer to something that was, like, natural, like, that came from nature. Mm. And... In those like thoughts, even as like a young child, it was like, man, I do see so I see so much division, but what brings us together? Like, what is it that could kind of? I guess like maybe all kids kind of think this at some point, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're like, what? How can we avert this problem? Like of people being so separated? Why does everybody got to be so separated? So, eventually, I started to think like, okay, if this person is you know, black, and this person is white, this person is a Native American, this person is an African, this person is Scottish, this person is Irish. Yeah, all of those people are humans. All of those people are human beings. If I can, like some people can lighten their skin. Like it's a real thing. People use cream and make their skin lighter. Some people put makeup on and make their skin darker. So it's like Shout out to Rachel Dolezal Yo It's a real thing But that That you can change But at the end of the day You can't change the fact That you're a human being mm. You can buy a suit That make you look like a dog But you're gonna be A human being under there Like There's nothing that's gonna change that So For a long time I was walking around You know As a black American Thinking like What What do we do To bring everybody together and it was more so in that kumbaya kind of way that, you know, people think in the West. Where it's like, you just have to, everyone yeah. has to love one another. And That's not how I saw it. Yada, yada. I know you didn't because you Jamaican, so you get a little more nuts. Everybody after dead. That was my, that was my <laughs> Everybody, everybody Any, Every die. enemy has to die. That was <laughs> my concept. That was the concept growing yeah, up? Yeah, that was my concept. You know, I had a dream. <laughs> I call it the United Nations of the West Indies. We were, we were going to unite all the West Indian countries and then we we're going to liberate and free Africa and then we we're going to come and take over America and kick out all the white people. 
That's so who did a good job yeah, on you? Yeah. Who who was gonna be who was gonna be in the United Nations of the West Indies? Like who did you have in mind? Oh, everyone within the West Indies. Yeah, but who though? Who was gonna be what? Because you know how like everybody has a different part to play in the United Nations. So it's kind of like who would be? No, who? we were we were going to get rid of all the flags. All the flags? Yeah, all the flags would have to be gone. It would have to be like one United Nation. So it'd be like the United Nations of the West Indies. Literally. Literally? Literally. So then you were just, just like, be let's be the United Nations. Let's do what they do <laughs> yeah. best. Yeah, that. Exactly. And just let's become just them. It. Exactly. It's yeah. a perfect example let's of just you, you're just it. doing what's presented to you. Yeah. You have no other concept or no other way to like think anything else. It's true. Yeah, I mean, it just it's sad because I think so many of us have grown up kind of like doing that and not even realize that's what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And that's really the problem. Exactly. It's like when we really talk about an identity crisis, we talk about somebody trying so hard to gain an identity to such a degree that they're willing to do anything, including adopting the identity of the colonizer in order to gain an identity mm-hmm. or gain the colonizer's nickname for you in their imperialistic or colonial mm-hmm. system. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing is like, you know, that's the thing I started to touch on a little bit when Menelik was here is like, you know, that's what has happened is it's been adopted. Like the, the, the name of the colonizer has been adopted and that's become the identity. And then there's so much bullshit surrounding the identity that that's what we use. And, you but know, you know, what was one thing that I found interesting that Menelik said that I think is a part, a large part of this conversation too, is he was like, uh, he said Khadija Zadima said something that was about like a thousand like thousands of years ago. Mm-hmm. And then you jumped like to you know now. And it's like what other option do you really have if history is what tells the story? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can't try to use the history from ten years ago and twenty years ago and thirty years ago without finding out what's behind that. Mm-hmm. And then if you keep going further and further back and you, you know, history keeps telling that same story, then where's really like the realistic root of, um, you know, the standpoint that you have today. So but that's the thing that becomes that's also one of the elements that becomes frowned upon because people are like, well, we're trying to progress. We're trying to make progress like where we are now. So how do we do that? within this, you know, this monster, this beast that we're in now, mm. without the same, uh, you know, access to what we had access to thousands of years ago. But that's the, another danger of it. It's like progress in terms of what, Towards like what? what's the what's the concept of progress mm-hmm. in your mind now? Mm-hmm. So it's like even that or whole concept. Or even the concept of survival right. now. Right, like what does that mean? Yeah. Again, it's again, it's like what's also been presented to you by outside forces, mm. and now you've latched on to that idea of progress, not necessarily knowing that that same idea of progress is even what's killing you. Mm. Like an example, I was um, I just came back home from Jamaica, right? And this isn't home. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm calling home. home. I'm calling their home. I, I was yeah. there. I was home. I came yeah. back. Sorry, it's it's just my yeah, just it's just my yeah. accent, but no, well, you called this place home. No, I that, again, that's what I mean. It's my accent. Yeah. We speak a little backwards. It's, you it's, would say we speak backwards, but it's not backwards. Right, anyway, yeah. Go ahead. Anyway, the point is, I was there. 
I was home and I was speaking with some of my family members about our community, about how certain things have changed and certain things have not changed. And the things that have changed are things that for me are the important things. For example, people used to come together as a whole community, like they would be like a whole coalition where everyone would come and like clean up the entire environment, mm-hmm. even like clean out the river, like mm-hmm. take care of the land. You don't really see people doing that as much anymore. Mm-hmm. But what you do see now is people trying to develop things more. There's more mm-hmm. street lights now. There's like there's more buildings and things like that. Mm-hmm. Even though, mind you, this is like in the country. Like, I mean, like this is like bush. Mm-hmm. So like to even get there, you, you got to go through some dirt and what we would call messed up roads like Mm. roads that people here would be scared to drive on i'm talking like edge of cliffs and stuff like that Mm. but even there yeah as far as that place is in the bush they're talking about why are we the only place in jamaica the only parish that doesn't have a kfc and i'm looking i'm looking at them i'm like this is what you're worried about that's what you want i'm there i'm like bro Y'all haven't cleaned the river in two years. Right. And you're telling me about... I said, where's the KFC at? <laughs> where's right. the KFC? Right, right. And it's just like those small things because maybe it doesn't seem like a big thing to some people, but for me, it's a big thing because them wanting the KFC, them wanting certain things, what it's really doing is now providing a kind of way to allow the colonial system to get an even stronger foothold in because now people are going to stop doing even more than just cleaning the river. Mm -hmm. They're going to stop practicing certain things. They're already Mm -hmm. starting to. They're already Mm -hmm. starting to because they want to assimilate more into like what is like modern because they want to develop things now. And it all really boils down to like a ease. Like what's crazy is really I've noticed, and this is a, one of the other points that I really wanted to bring up, is that me being a black, like growing up black, I didn't really ever think, right, that I would go somewhere in Africa and make a connection in my mind that, man, they tried to, like, what they really did, what the colonizer really did was take away all of the important parts of it and gave me the sense of not having what he had again, right? So I live in the ghetto, uh, mm-hmm. I'm from the hood, so we don't have the access to the good healthcare, yada yada, the, the houses are shoddy, Every we got abandoned houses, it's kinda like messed up. So in that same way, when I went to, when we got to Africa, right, I see the houses, I see what like the makeup of things is, it's like, man, this is kind of familiar. Yeah. This is just like the ghetto. Mm-hmm. But it's not a ghetto for them. It's just life. Mm-hmm. And it's not like the worst circumstance. They're not looking at it like, oh, my circumstance is like this. And I have to get out of the hood to go and be a part of, you know, this other thing in life that's like better than this. It's like that's just what they have and that's good enough. So... When I saw that, <clears throat> now I'm like, damn, like all this time, I've been wasting my time, like wasting my life thinking that I was gonna like level up within the assimilation, 
when I had exactly what I needed. Like the people in the ghetto have what they need. Mm. They have it. But the only part that's missing is like you were saying, like the just the thought, the inkling in your mind to say that life shouldn't be this easy. Mm. There's things like there's a natural phenomenon around me that support my life. Like I get my I get vegetables, I get meat, I get eggs from a grocery store. <laughs> Why is life that easy? If I can, if one of my, like one of my neighbors in my old neighborhood, he had chickens, he had like roosters. And we walk past his house and make jokes like, what, what are you doing with a rooster? Yep. But now that I'm, now that I've been to Africa and I've seen like, this is, this is an actual part of life. Your life is not that easy. You yeah, shouldn't be able easy. to go to a grocery store and buy a dead chicken mm -hmm. that somebody else killed. Why don't you know how to catch a chicken, kill it? clean it, mm -hmm. cook it, and eat it so that you can actually survive. And then it goes back to like, now our idea of, that idea that they've given the people in the ghetto of survival is no longer about like having these natural phenomena be a part of your life. And what makes your life valuable mm -hmm. is just like, how easy can I make my life? Mm -hmm. Can I make a million dollars off this rap shit? And then get me a mansion that mm -hmm. next to some white people that's gonna call the cops on me. Like yeah. J. Cole made a whole song about it. The neighbors <laughs> think I'm selling dope. Nigga just in his basement making yeah. music. And they call a whole raid on him because it's a black guy next door and some black people next door. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you know, I myself, that's one of the biggest realizations that I had on that trip, you know, when we when we took the pilgrimage, you know. It was just mind blowing, man, because I'm like, they really have what they need. And I now I know that I, I had like a large part of what I needed for so long. But there was this thing missing that was about these natural principles and actually having nature mm -hmm. like be a part of your life, like not living in a square house mm -hmm. and having a refrigerator, but actually having to go to a market, mm. get the vegetables, bring them back, cut a cow and dry it so that it lasts like dry it in the sun so that it lasts for days so that you can actually have reserves for meat it's like it's a completely you know it's an overlooked part of life and survival itself because mm -hmm. you're a natural you yourself as a human being you're technically a natural phenomenon you come from nature and you know it's funny you say that because that's important what you said a natural phenomenon surviving based on natural phenomenons, right? Mm -hmm. Now you find people from the West who have lost their identity. Right. It's not even about black anymore with this at this point. Right. Now it's about black people, white people, Spanish people, whatever. All of us, to a degree, have lost our identity. But you find people who have given their life to the system, given their life into mm -hmm. living in this leisure and living in this way, who are now realizing that they are a natural phenomenon. Exactly. And now they're trying to go out and find the natural right, world right. as natural phenomenons. Like you see people with money who are giving up those those lifestyles mm -hmm. to go find life in the wilderness, to go find life with indigenous people, to actually go and try to reclaim those things, to live fulfilled, to actually fill the gap that's missing, to actually get rid of you know the depression. Mm -hmm. Because living in this lifestyle no matter what we say, no matter how much we want to think, it's like 
better or it's more easier, it gives us leisure. All it does, it gives you mental sickness. It gives you a mental side, puts you in a mental psychosis. It's a mental degeneration. Mm -hmm. And the only way to cure it is to go back and live in nature, to live with those natural phenomenons. Mm -hmm. And you find people going back and doing that. And that's the sad part about it. It's like we think that we're supposed to get away from that. Mm. When in reality, we're supposed to go towards that. Yo, and even like the the whole middle class conversation, right? It's like the ghetto is the real middle class, like of life, mm-hmm. like they or in the colonial sense, right? Like the like an African in the bush, like that's that's low, like that's as low as you can go. That's homelessness, mm. right? By their standard, it's homelessness because you live in a shack. Mm-hmm. Something that's very small. That's very. It's this not is, like a. It's not a. It's not a convenient. Exactly. Lifestyle. Exactly. Yeah. You can build and a big shack, you know. You can, <laughs> but what's the utility if you don't have? That's a lot my of media people? room over there. <laughs> that's my. That's my. You know, TV room. Exactly. But it's like that. Now that really becomes the reason why the whole middle class thing is a lie. Like, it's a complete lie because that's really what the middle class is. It's like you have low, like I said, which is just homelessness to them. And that's what that African lifestyle is like. But then the middle class is like, okay, now you have to look at trying to be rich as what gets you out of what I've built for you. Mm -hmm. Rather than like, okay, I have enough. Let me figure out this other part of life. That actually makes me a human being. Which break, brings you further and further away from what is natural, which is... Exactly. You know. And again, even those people at the top are the ones trying to go back all the way down yeah. to the low. That's what exactly. people are doing with their money. I mean, that's why you see, you know, like, that's why you see people that make millions of dollars or billionaires, all this kind of stuff. That's what they want to do. Exactly. And that's what they're doing. They don't make it known, but that's what they want to do, and that's what they're doing. Yeah. Because they know that, and they know that that's the only way to go. And it just it's unfortunate, because, you know, the, the con job that's, that's happened is that everybody thinks that, like, you know, that the way to go is the way that people that have reached the apex of the modern system is trying to get away from. And that just shows how warped everyone's thinking is and uh you know uh we uh we we really wanted to finish out this episode with menelik but i know menelik wasn't able to stick around uh but menelik uh the first opening that we have with um without a guest you will be coming back Mm -hmm. if you do not have work and we will make sure that we start early enough so that you're able to you know, be here for the entirety of the show. Take off a day, and, man. Yeah, or take off a day, yeah. I mean, I, I don't think they're going to miss you that much. Um, <laughs> they got your clone, yeah, man. Yeah, they got you, yeah. They got yeah. your clone. They got your clone. <laughs> they cloned, they cloned Menelik, not they cloned Tyrone. But, uh, you know, this has been another episode of the Gator Gates podcast. We appreciate you for tuning in. Uh, before we sign off, we just want to let you guys know again, September 3rd, class registration event at the New Jersey Temple and uh, (laughs) it's all the way at the the, bottom 
September yeah, 3rd. You're, you're, drop, you're dropping the ball on the... Sleeping at the wheel. On the... Uh, <clears throat> on the vis, the visuals. <laughs> so, September 3rd, 1 p.m., 1506 Anderson Avenue, Fort Lee, New Jersey. Uh, check it out. You know, um, you're more than welcome to come through. Uh, for those of you that don't know, the doors of initiation are opening up. Uh, we'll be coming at you, you know, with a bunch of different promos leading up to the uh, leading up to the event. So please, you know, check it out. Come around, and uh, you know, we hope to see you there. We appreciate you for tuning in. We'll see you guys next week. We have some more guests in the coming weeks, so you know, stay tuned. You know, the the form of the the show will you know be different depending upon who we have on the show mm -hmm. so we appreciate you guys and uh don't forget kept uh -huh, yes i'm so sorry we have so many events coming up yes. in the coming weeks um including the uh registration on september 3rd but kept-nj.org scroll all the way to the about down to the bottom speaking of which we have an event coming up and if you're in New York City, please don't miss it. It's at Maha Rose. Mm -hmm. uh, what's the? August 31st, 6 to 8 p.m. It is Indigenous Cleansing. We are going to be going into a lot of top secret indigenous knowledge mm -hmm. in terms of energies, where your energies come from, how to cleanse your energies, you know, how they correlate to the stars and astrology and astronomy and your energies and where that whole notion comes from. So we'll be going into a very wonderful, wonderful talk, a very wonderful workshop in terms of how to cleanse those energies and how to continue benefiting from, you know, being aligned with those astronomical energies and how those astronomical energies align with, you know, you. So check that out. That's going to be August 31st. That's this month. That's uh, that's not too far away. So you know, please uh, please sign up. Maha Rose again. That's in Brooklyn. That's going to be six to eight p.m. We have so many other events. Check it out. K e b t a h dash n j dot org. Also check out all our other wonderful websites. I know that they're showing them to you guys on the screen. Risingfirefly.org. You know, the earthcenter.org, anhlife.org. Check it out. We have so many resources, so many ways for everybody to get involved. And we'll be in touch, and we'll see you guys soon. Idiot. Idiot.